Welcome to Triumphant's Podcast with Pastor Perrin, preaching on the Word of God. From Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to be reading verses 14 through 30. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It reads like this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he who also had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But he who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, for to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say thanks be to God. This morning from our text, I would like to to title our sermon from this text this morning, Set Up for More. Set Up for More. You all pray for me on this morning. On Thursday, October 26th, 1967, six months before he would be assassinated, the right reverend, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., spoke to a group of students at Barrett Junior High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
<clears throat> this is, after all, the weekend where we celebrate Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, so you all know how much I love him. You should not be surprised that we're introducing our sermon with him on this morning. In Philadelphia that day, he said he was going to give brief remarks to those junior high school students, although remarks for a black Baptist preacher are rarely, if ever, brief. <laughs> but Reverend Dr. King asked the students a profound and thought-provoking question that day. He asked them this question. What is your life's blueprint? What is your life's blueprint? He used the metaphor of how when a building is being constructed, it is done so based on how an architect has drawn some blueprints. And the blueprints serve as the pattern and the guide for constructing a building. And because no well-constructed building can be built without a solid blueprint, Reverend Dr. King used his brief time that morning to suggest some things that these junior high school students who were beginning the process of building the structure of their lives, he suggested some things that they should begin to use as the blueprints of their lives. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, much of what he said that day dovetails with much of what we will learn from our passage this morning. But to begin our time together this morning, I want to quote one particular line from his speech that day, and I want you all to listen real closely to me, to me as I quote this line that he gave to those students on that day. He said, and I say to you, my young friends, doors are opening to you, doors of opportunities that were not open to your mothers and your fathers. And the great challenge, he said, facing you is to be ready to face those doors as they open. If you've been trekking with me over the past few weeks in these passages from this Olivet Discourse, I hope you know why I have referenced that quote from the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because it is this sense of being ready found in these passages that we've been trying to lift up for us to help us as we begin this new year. This new year that is an, an unusual an uncertain new year. And it is a new year that is filled with the unexpected. And over these past few weeks, we've done what I hope to often do, which is preach through large portions of Scripture because I feel that it helps us to get at the true meaning of passages of Scripture as we read them in their original context. And so I hope that at least for some of you, you have taking note of how Jesus spends all this time in these verses, one parable after another, trying to reinforce this notion of readiness. Verse 42 of chapter 24, he says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. In verse 44 of chapter 24, he says, Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Readiness, readiness even when we don't know what to expect. And as we embark upon this new year, even though things still feel uncertain, 
It doesn't feel much has changed from the end of 2020 to the beginning of 2021. Things are still quite unusual. And even though you and I don't know what to expect this year, I want to let you know this passage encourages us that we must stay awake and alert and be ready and prepared for what God wants to do this year. I am certain that we can expect more this year. I am certain that we should prepare for more this year. To quote the right Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King one more time, I hope that y'all hear his words, maybe not mine. Doors are opening, doors of opportunities. And the great challenge facing us is to be ready to face these doors as they open. And so as we prepare to look at a very familiar parable, some of y'all could preach it better than me. It's actually one of the last parables that's recorded of Jesus. I hope that this parable this morning will take on a deeper meaning as we understand it in its context. Because we know now, hopefully, what the context was when Jesus gave it. We know that Jesus has been reiterating this idea of readiness, readiness in the midst of uncertainty of when he will return. And I hope you and I will take seriously his words this morning. Now that we know it comes right after Jesus has addressed the ten virgins and that they should keep their lamps trimmed and burning and not to be caught off guard and unprepared, And now that we know that Jesus is using this parable to address the question that his disciples asked about when they should expect his return. And now that we know that Jesus has over and over again said that because no one knows when Jesus is going to return, that we need to be ready. I'm hoping that now we will heed his words in this parable, because what's important to remember is that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back just like he said he would. And he is soon to come. And because of that, we must be ready. But also remember that Jesus, as he talks about readiness here, readiness for his return, it not only has eternal implications but it has application for right now. Hear me, y'all. Readiness for Jesus' return sets us up for more even while we await his return. Readiness for Jesus' return will set us up for more while we await his return. Readiness for Jesus' return It will set us up right now to be prepared for more even while we await his return. In fact, that's what I want you to note about this passage. Have you you thought about the fact that all three of these servants were set up for more? Don't miss this and don't skip over this. In this parable... This master sets all three of them up for more. 
And I want whoever is listening to me this morning to know that you too have been set up for more. You've been set up for more. I want you to listen. Because if we listen to the text, the master, he gives all of them something to work with. And because he gives all of them something to work with, they all get set up for more. And if you listen carefully to the text, you'll hear it. Listen to what it says in verse number 16. It says, to the one that received five talents, he went away at once and traded with them. And he made what? Five talents more. So also he had, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Verse number 20, it says, and he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. He says, master, I've delivered to, you have delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Then if you jump down to verse number 21, what is the, one, what does the master say to him? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much or more. Y'all, verse number 22, the one who had two talents, he says, I have made two talents more. I wish y'all would say it with me. Verse number 23, it says, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over more. Y'all there, this, this master gave all three of them something to work with. He set them all up to get more. But notice what the servant with one talent does. Instead of getting more, he brings to the master less than what the master gave him. See, you think that he brings to the master what the master gave him, but because he didn't even put it in the bank so that it would get some interest, he does not bring something that has appreciated. He actually brings to the master something that had depreciated in value. The master had set him up for more. All he had to at least do was put it in the bank so that it would get some interest. Can I tell you I'm guilty? My father, he, um, he, he, he always has bright ideas. Those of you who know my father, you know that. But for Christmas this year, he decided that for all of the children, he was going to give us money to invest in stocks. And so about um, two weeks after Christmas, my dad calls me and he has uh, my sister Tiffany on three way. And they are talking about all the stocks that they are buying and the, um, the things that they are seeing that's a potential stock. And, and they, how much money they've already made by their investment. And guess what I did? I haven't done anything with the money. And now, as opposed to it appreciating some value, it has actually lost value. Listen, I know this may sound corny, but just work with me. If you don't appreciate what you have been given, it will depreciate in value. If you don't appreciate what you have been given, it will depreciate in value. But catch this. If you appreciate what you have been given, it will appreciate in value. 
See, the first thing that we need to know is that if we're going to be set up for more, and if we're going to make the best use of what God has given us, that we will have to begin by accepting and appreciating and acknowledging what it is that we have been given to work with. All of us have been given something to work with. All of us have been given something entrusted into our care to work with. Are you working with what you've been given to work with? I want you all to hear Romans 12 and verse 6 from the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have been given a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Here it is, is that somebody needs to be reaffirmed that you've been given something to work with. And because you've been given something to work with, don't bury your gift. Don't hide your gift. Don't sit on your gift. Because God has placed something valuable inside of you. This passage says that the master called the servants together in verse number 14, and he entrusted to them his property. Somebody needs to know that God has entrusted to you his possessions, his gifts. He has deposited and he has entrusted it into your care. And so you have to value what God has deposited in you. You have been made in the image of God and you have something special and unique to give and share and offer this world. You have something to contribute. You have something of value and of worth inside of you. We have to accept and acknowledge and appreciate the gift that God has given us, no matter what size the gift is. It is said that a talent back then is worth approximately $6,000 today. We don't know for sure, but let's just go with it, all right? If it was $6,000, I don't know about y'all, but that's not anything to sneeze at. You give me $6,000, I will be real. Matter of fact, I might run around the church if you give me $6,000. And so here it is, is that we need to appreciate the gift that God gives us no matter the size it is. You may not have $12,000. You may not have $30,000, but you do have $6,000. And it is such a privilege that God would entrust you with that gift. Don't you underestimate and minimize the gift that God 
has given you. Don't you go burying it in the ground and sitting on it and hiding it such that it depreciates in value as opposed to appreciating in value. You have been entrusted with God's precious possessions. Don't squander it. Don't you dare underestimate it. God can do through you with your gift more than you could ever imagine. And so we've got to make the most out of what we have been given. If we're going to to accept and acknowledge and appreciate what God has given us, we've got to make the most out of it. Listen, we may not like the size of our gift. We may not like what our gift is. We may not like the conditions in which our gift was given to us. And we may think sometimes, if I only had this, or if I only had that, if I had these conditions and the circumstances were just like I wanted to, then I would use my gift. I would do it gladly. But, the, but, but things are not like I want them to be. And so what do we often do? We bury our gift. We hide our gift and opposed to appreciating so that it can appreciate in value, it depreciates. I love what the guy who has been given the two talents does. Y'all, the guy who has two talents, he doesn't have what the guy who has five talents has. But I love what he does. He makes the most of his gifts, even though he did not have what the guy who had five talents had. He didn't have the same resources that the guy who had five talents had. He could have been saying to the, to, to, to the master, master, if I had as much as he had, I would do more with my two. But he says, no, I'm going to make the most of the two that you give me. The second servant With the two talents, he catches my attention. Because although he didn't have as much to work with as the guy with foul talents, he did not allow his circumstances to dictate a less than faithful effort. Y'all know how we do. We start complaining because we don't have as much to work with. We start complaining because people don't appreciate our gift. We start complaining because people won't make the most of our gift. And so we sit on and bury our gifts as opposed to appreciating it and doing the most that we can with it while we can. He didn't complain that he didn't like his assignment. He didn't complain that he didn't like what he had been given. He didn't complain that he wished he had someone else's gift. And if we're going to, if we're going to get more, if, 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 if we're going to appreciate in value, we're going to have to know we've been set up for more and acknowledge and accept the fact that we have been given a gift and appreciate that gift. Y'all, God is expecting us to do something with what he has given us. God is expecting us to do something with that which he has given us. This master goes away, and when he comes back to settle accounts, he brings all of the servants, and he says, he's basically saying to them, what have you done with what I've given you? The expectation was that they would bring back more 
that at least they could take it to the bank, that it would um, get some interest. I do want you to also know, though, so that I can encourage you, that you look to your gift and other people's gifts and your situation and other people's situation who have more resources, and, and, and you wish you had more. But I just want to let you know that the person who you think has more, they really don't have that much more. Because at the end of the day, all of us, all we have is just a few things. All we have is just a little bit. Do you remember what the master says to them when he comes back and, and they bring him um, the one with five talents and two talents? He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. You've been faithful over a little bit. Here it is, is that sometimes we need to stop comparing ourselves because we don't realize we all have just been given a little bit. We all have just been given a few things. And when we get to glory and we look back, we're going to be like, oh, they really didn't have that much more than I did. It was just a little bit. Yes. But here it is. You need to work the mess out of your little bit because the gift that God has given you, it is more than just a little bit. We have all been given a little. But listen, in the grand scheme of things, we need to know that we all have just a few things. Don't, don't look to somebody else and ask Say, I wish I could have that. I wish I could have that. I know I'm guilty of it sometimes. I look to other people and I say, man, if I just had more of this, if I had more of that, if I had more of, yeah. But then I remember sometimes, though, <laughs> that I'm so happy I don't have to deal with the headaches that the people that have more have to deal with. <laughs> because there is a cost with having more. <laughs> when you have more, more is expected of you. So, so guess what? I'm going to be happy with my little bit. <laughs> because I'm going to remember that I have more gift than a little bit. <laughs> and so I'm going to accept and acknowledge and appreciate the gift that God has given me. Somebody, else, somebody out there, you need to hear me when I say this. You have more gift than you realize. And you have been set up for more. You've been set up for more because God has trusted you with his precious possessions. God has put that gift inside of you. And when he put it inside of you, he was setting you up for more. I need to rush along because we need to know that as we've been set up for more and as we, as we acknowledge and we accept the fact and we, we appreciate the gift that God has given us. And we, we know that we've been set up for more. Here it is, is that we have to know that when we realize we've been set up for more, that we have to be diligent during the delay. We have to be diligent during the delay. Verse number 15 says that the master went away. And then verse number 19 tells us that the master was away for a long time. Now, I hope y'all know what I'm about to say next because it's the delay for me, folks. This passage again urges us to consider what are we doing during the delay. Jesus is setting this up because he wants us to ask ourselves, what are we doing when we don't know what to expect? 
What are we doing when we don't know when to expect Jesus' return? What are we doing when we don't know when the doors of opportunity are going to come? He says, listen, what are you doing during the delay? And we have to be diligent during the delay. What does that mean? The first thing that it at least means is that we have to take the initiative. We have to take the initiative. It says in verse number 16, he who had received the five talents went at once. Immediately he went to work. Here it is, is that he knew that he had been given something to work with, and so immediately he went and put it to work. See, some of us, we got to just realize that we don't need to wait for instructions or directions or hearing from the Lord we know what God has called us to do. We know the gifts that God has given us to do. We know the opportunities that God has placed before us right now. And so we need to just make it do what it do, baby. Yo, some of us are waiting and sitting around for the right environment, for the right opportunity, for the right time. And, and, and listen, the, for the right circumstances, for the right resources. And God has said, I've given you something. Will you take the initiative and be diligent with what I've given you? We always want to be told what to do. But sometimes we just need to start working with what we have been giving. Put it to work. See, this, these two first guys, they knew that they had been given something, and because they knew they had been given something, they simply went and put it to work. They knew that they had been given something to work with, so they went and put it to work. This is so clear, y'all. It is to teach us the importance of taking the initiative. He says to the servant with one talent who doesn't even bring something back that it was equal in what he gave him. He says to him, you wicked and slothful servant. You were lazy. You did not get up off of your behind and start working with what I gave you to work with. You're looking for clear instructions. Perhaps you can take your gift and figure out where can I use it to help serve God's kingdom. You, perhaps you can take your gift and say, let me get better at my gift. If we see a need, we need to get at it. We don't need to wait for somebody to give us permission. If we see a need, just start working on it. Take the initiative. That's what being diligent during the delay means. But another thing that we need to do during the delay, to be diligent during the delay, is to be faithful. He says to them, well done, my good and faithful servants. Faithful means showing up when you're supposed to. Faithful means showing up early and not on time. Faithful means being prepared. If you know that people are expecting something from you, don't show up loafing and unprepared. Because here's the thing, y'all. Hopefully I don't get too far off my, my notes. But here's the thing, y'all, is that we don't realize that people are watching us. 
and they want to elevate somebody. They want to hire somebody and bring somebody on, but they're watching to see can they at least show up early and prepared. But you know what too many of us do? We show up with the bare minimum. We are like the five virgins that did not bring enough oil. And so we show up and we give the bare minimum effort. Y'all, being faithful means, no, I'm not going to give the bare minimum. I'm not going to do just what's expected. I'm going to do more than what's expected. Some of us need to start sweating the small stuff. Because that's what being diligent and being faithful means. It means not being negligent and sweating the small stuff, paying attention to the details. That's how you are faithful. In his, in his speech to those junior high school students, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King quoted Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says that the great essay is said in a lecture in 1871, if a man can write a better book or preach a better sermon or make a better mousetrap than his neighbor here. Even if he builds his house in the woods, the world will make a beaten path to his door. Listen, if you will give just a little more diligence to what God has given you, here it is, the world will knock down your door no matter where you are because they know that you have something just a little bit better than others because they can see that you have been faithful over what God has given you. People are watching to elevate you. People are watching to call you into a higher place. They want to be able to call on someone. They want to be able to delegate. They want to be able to do it. But have you made yourself available? Have you shown yourself to be faithful? I'm well out of time, so y'all got to pray for me. What do you do with the task that you have been given? Do you make the most out of the task that you've been given? Or do you complain that your assignment doesn't fit you? Or do you complain that the situation, the conditions, and the circumstances is not like I would like it to be? Listen to the second servant again. The second servant, y'all, I love this one. I love the second servant. He gets the same response from the master that the servant with the five talents got. He, they both hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Be faithful over your little bit. Another quote from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, he says, and when you discover what you will be in life, set out to do it as if all God Almighty called you at that particular moment in history to do it. Don't just set out to do a good job. Set out to do such a good job that the living, the dead, or the unborn couldn't do it any better. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings for the Metropolitan Opera. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. I want to encourage someone to be faithful. Stay diligent during the delay. 
Because sometimes you have to really remain diligent during the delay because it is during the delay that we often lose hope. That our diligence and our attention to detail and our faithfulness and our showing up on time isn't mattering. Like no one is noticing. It is during the delay that it's often dark. And we're like, when when am I going to see the fruit of all the investment that I've made, all the seeds that I've sown? When am I going to see? When am I going to reap? And here's the thing is that's why we've got to remain diligent even during the delay because you never know when your opportunity is going to come. The, the moment you start slacking is the moment they're going to say, nah, I can't elevate them. <sighs> but if we're going to make the most of we, that we have been set up for, it's not just about what we do, but it is lastly also just important about how we think. It's not just about what we do and being faithful and being diligent, but it is so important how we think. Somebody say how we think. What are the organizing thoughts that are driving your decisions? What truths and what lies are driving what you do? What truths or what lies are you holding on to that is making you make the decisions that you're making? Because it's not just about trying to change behavior, but if God does not get in here and help you change what you're thinking, you'll only do it for a short period of time and you'll get tired. So you have to focus on what you are thinking about. A.W. Tozer, the great theologian, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This guy with just the one talent, he says he thought that his master was a hard man, reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he does not sow seed, where there is no seed. And so he says, I was afraid. Do y'all hear him? Here, is, here are the things that are driving the decisions that he's making. It is all of these excuses about what he thinks about his master. And so he is paralyzed by fear because of the things that he is thinking in his mind about his master. You need to change what you think about your God and know that if God has given you a gift, he's given it to you. Even though the circumstances may not be like, like you want it, he wants you to work the mess out of it while you have time. We get so stuck in our heads making excuses for why we haven't done what we know we're supposed to do. And here's the thing is many times the excuses that we make, they make sense and they are justifiable. Matter of fact, we talk to our friends about it and they're like, yeah, that's about, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they not treating you right. Yeah, they should be doing more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, y'all, we got we to gotta train our minds. We need to be renewed in our minds. Because we can allow not, not having the right resources to paralyze us and to cripple us from fear. We get crippled such that we don't want to do anything because we don't want to do anything wrong. 
We don't want to do it the wrong way. Listen, you learn from doing things the wrong way sometimes. Other day in the house, my son Grayson, he said, can I have some help, please? And, 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 and Lady Keith said, boy, you can do it by yourself. He said, I don't want to get it wrong. She said, sometimes getting it wrong helps you to learn how to do it right. <sighs> Y'all, what we really need to, 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 to see here is that what we need to use to govern our decisions, the things that we need to think about, we need to think about getting to heaven and God our Father saying to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. He wants to see that you have been faithful, not perfect with it, but that you have gotten after it and that you have put it to work. Oh, I wish I had more time, but I don't. But I do have to mention that this guy with the one talent, it says that he, the master is going to cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Y'all, we need to know that there is going to become a day of reckoning. There will be a day where Jesus is going to settle accounts. And he's going to see whether or not you lived your life really believing that he was coming again. If you believed your life that God had gifted you with something that you could not get on your own, he's going to see whether or not you truly believed. And listen, like I heard somebody say this week, you don't want to go through hell all your life to wind up in hell. What? should govern our thoughts is hearing our master say, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. What we do or don't do, the risk we take and are afraid to take, our commitment to faithfulness are all directly correlated to what we think about God. We need to live in such a way that we realize we've been set up for more, that we appreciate the gift that God gives us such that it appreciates in value. <sighs> that we would be governed by the thoughts of hearing our master say, well done. When we get to heaven, not only will we hear him say, well done, but he will set us over much. And we will be able to enter the joy of our master. Yeah. See, not only do we get much more, but we also get to experience his joy. And there is nothing like God's joy. Oh, I got to stop. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Triumphant Church, visit us at thetriumphantchurch.org or you can contact us at 301-559-2200.